0: Mac Power Users, Episode 257, Workflows with Merlin Mann. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you, Katie?
1: I'm great,
2: David. Here we, here we are again.
0: Yeah, this is one of my favorite shows of the year. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Merlin Mann. Hi, team. Thanks for having me back. Oh, Merlin, you are always welcome on our show. You know, you were the first workflow guest. Uh, We've been doing this once a year and I get, this is one of the most frequently requested shows we get, you know, we see on Twitter and the emails are always like, Hey, it's about April. Where's my Merlin? So (laughs) I'm so glad that you were willing to come back and uh, chat with us this year again.
1: Yeah. We're we're a little later than usual. We're, we're into May now and people, uh, the emails are flowing like, seriously, guys, where's Merlin? Where's Merlin? Yeah.
2: (laughs) <laughs> well you know um <sighs> i thank you for having me back I, I really i really enjoy doing it and uh it's always a thrill to be here you guys do great work
1: so Merlin, have um, um, so we, go ahead david
0: well we've got this rich body of work we've done with you over the years you know i went back and listened to them all this week and, and they're all great episodes if you're out there and you haven't listened to the prior episodes with merlin you should go back because they're just so full of great tips and ideas um but uh, so today we're going to go back to the Mac. We're going to talk about the Mac and also the iOS Mac balance uh, in Merlin's life. And we got some other things we got on the list here. Before we do, though, I just want to remind everybody now we've got the new feed. So make sure, um, if you haven't done it yet, that you go and sign up for the new feed for Mac Power users at relay.fm/slash mpu/slash feed, F-E-E-D. Or just go relay.fm slash MPU, and you can push the button right there. I mean, the old feed's going to work for a while longer, but we don't know how long. So get yourself subscribed so you don't miss out on anything in the future. Sounds good. So Merlin, uh, um, getting uh, back to the Macs, I was looking. We did a lot of iOS stuff recently, and I know you still have some interesting iOS stuff to talk about. But um, you had an interesting comment to me that you have ancient Macs. (laughs)
2: Oh yeah, well I do, I uh, do. Uh, yeah, it's it's which which has interesting consequences because um, I've got a very old uh, Mac Pro and I've got an increasingly old but still very functional MacBook Air. Those are my two OS ten yeah. devices, and uh, they both work fine in their way. But I, I'm not even going to tell you what OS is running. OS ten is running on the Mac Pro, um, but I'm on uh, Mavericks. With the uh, MacBook Air, the MacBook Air is still very. It works just fine. The battery is crap at this point. I'm at like over like I'm near eighty percent of the total number of charges the battery is supposed to be able to take. So I maybe get two or three hours unplugged at this point, but it still is incredibly yeah. speedy. It's got the SSD. It's great. Um, but I mean, it's on the one hand, like having these older Macs means I don't I don't have the processing power that most people have these days. But much more importantly, for the um, is this is a software? I just I can't run modern stuff, and so a lot of the things. And so you can I guess you can connect the dots on this. If I don't have a Mac that can run the latest operating system, um, or or I, I've, I guess in the case of the MacBook Air, I could put it on there, but you know it works, so I kind of don't want to upgrade it. But I can't I, you know like I can't do stuff yeah. like handoff. Um, and what's what's really scary and perplexing is how many apps now are you know made for Yosemite where if I want to get a new version yeah. of that app, I would have to get Yosemite, and I don't plan to do that anytime soon. So it's limited the number of new things I can introduce, while at the same time, I, I find myself using the iPad so much these days, I don't have as much interest as I used to in doing tons of stuff on the Mac. It still interests me, but I don't know. My, my use patterns have changed a lot over time, and it's it's mostly okay. I, I think at some point I'll pop for the... Um, what is it? The uh, the new iMac. I just, I'm cheap. But the, at some point, 4K? I'll pop for that. Yeah, right yeah. I mean, that's such a bargain, you know, for what you get. But I, I don't know. Um, maybe it's an old man thing. But, you know, increasingly, I feel like, you know, and, and, like I promised you, I'm not going to turn this into an, into an Apple thing. But but I I, I've increasingly got the uh, feeling that if something's working mostly okay, like don't mess with it because messing with it is has consequences in a way I feel like it didn't used to. So I've become more conservative, I guess.
1: So out of, you know, what what do you think is keeping you off of Yosemite? Is it that, you know, only one of your machines will run it and no, cuz I think just about everything that will run Mavericks will run Yosemite. Is it is it mainly the if it ain't broke don't don't fix it mentality? Is it just I don't want to hassle with it? Are you are you supporting legacy apps or is it just like I don't I don't really need to. I don't really care to.
2: It's probably a combination of those things. Um, I I try to be good about things like backups and I, you know, use things like Dropbox. So, you know, I don't have the same resistance that some people might have that aren't using backups. I just, I don't, I've gotten very um, skeptical about making changes to my Apple devices because and I apologize, I am doing what I said I wasn't going to do. But, you know, it's just true. It's really just true that I maybe it's maybe it's just me not being as smart as I used to be or something. But I really feel like pretty much every Apple device I have, I still really enjoy. But I have to treat it with a certain amount of care and suspicion because things that even as recently as a year or two ago or a year or three ago worked very well now do not work consistently. Numerous services stop working for no reason that I can see I have to re-sign into things of tons of times. When you add in things like two-factor authentication on various devices, this becomes a huge pain. And um, I also think Yosemite's not—I think it's ugly. I think it really is ugly, and I—it's um, ugly-looking to me. Uh, if I used it, I'm sure I'd get used to it, and then I think everything else looked old. But there, I, at some point, I'll have to do that. But for now, um, I'm just sticking with what I've. God. I feel that pain, like I say, I feel that pain much more on my Mac Pro, which is becoming unsafely old in some ways. Because it's not, you know, getting the same kind of care from the apps or the OS updates. You know, I've,
1: I've heard this type of thing from a lot of people, and, and a lot of it, I, I still participate in a Mac user group, and if you've been to one recently, you know kind of what the population is that, that still participates in those old Mac user groups, and you would not believe the population there that is still on Snow Leopard or pre-Snow Leopard, and it's, it's not so much because they've had personal experience with it, but it's more so because they've heard of, of problems, and they've heard, you know, just all it takes is someone to tell them that, that something's not quite working right, and and that's it. They they don't want to mess with it. But I won't say that I've had any true catastrophes or problems or or just show stopping things. But you know, AirDrop is a classic example. I would say maybe it's sixty forty as to whether AirDrop is going to work for me. I was just giving a presentation where I was demoing uh, AirDrop, and I'm like, you know what? The first time I can get this to work, I'm screencasting that sucker because I am not going to rely on this to work w- when I have to give a presentation on it.
2: Right right yeah it's
0: well, go ahead i think in fairness that this last upgrade cycle it, it was rough around the edges and i think part of it is because that's the one where they made everything talk to each other i mean for, all of us nerds have been complaining for years about hey how come the iphone and the ipad and the mac don't talk to each other better how come we can't share data blah 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 and why you know and so they did that they gave us what we asked for but it required both a significant, I think, changes on both sides of the fence. And I also think that that, you know, that that just comes with hairy, hairy edges. And it's just going to take a while to sort that stuff out. I'm betting that the next upgrade cycle is not going to be as aggressive. And it, by necessity, they've already solved this big problem, or at least they're working on this big problem. And I just think that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. But I can understand yeah, I think, why you would opt out of that at the same time. Let me, let me uh,
2: just maybe try to um, clarify this with, with a, an interesting moment. We, I think we talked some time ago, I know I've talked to the, in other places, about how sometimes, um, I mean, obviously there was a time when you could do a lot less with these devices, but the less that you could do was far more dependable in my experience. So something yeah. like syncing up your music to iTunes, um it might have been a pain, but like connecting it with a USB cable and syncing your music. If you took the time to do that and you could do stuff with smart playlists, whatever you want to do. But that was that became pretty close to bulletproof where you just you didn't have weird stuff happen. You knew that this was this file and that went there. Things like you know iCloud came along. That was kind of weird to me because I didn't really understand where it lived. As somebody who's used a Mac since 1987, I'm very comfortable with my understanding of the file system. It's not a great understanding of the file system, but I know that if I put something in a folder, that's, that's where it'll be and I can get to it and I can change the name and stuff like that. Um, that opacity was necessary in order to make the kinds of improvements that you're talking about, David, which are... um Uh, in theory, very good ideas. It's just the implementation has been really weird. A a couple years ago, I I remember talking about when the um, iTunes match first rolled out, you know, and there's that one little radio button that you can click on your phone. It seems pretty innocuous. Like, do you want to, you know, do do you want to have the sync music or not? Like how how pretty easy it is to accidentally change a giant amount of what data is available in a way that might be kind of surprising. But let me pull this together with one story, which is when I got iOS. I guess maybe the first iOS. I'm not using. I don't use betas anymore. Period. So when I got iOS eight, I guess whenever that first came on the phone, and I did did the restart, came back up. Remember feeling like it just takes longer and longer. I feel like to set up a new device. Maybe that's just me. But there was a very important screen that I thought was very confusing, and I I don't couldn't tell you this from memory. But it's basically it said. You know, do you want to move your stuff to iCloud Drive? And, you know, if you're running through that, you could very easily just want to hit that button. But, you know, w- w- I-, I took the time then to go and Google around a little bit and discover, like, what a terrible idea that would be for me to do. It didn't. It did. It wasn't clear what a terrible idea that would be. But if I had said, and, of course, the, the UI itself was confusing. It, it was kind of one of those continue-cancel things that, that is very hard. You end up getting into these philosophical arguments about, like, how it's phrased. And I was really nervous to, to like hit the right button. Because if I did move everything to iCloud Drive, well, now it's not going to be in that old system. It's going to be in this new system. And the irony is, A, if I wanted to use iCloud Drive, I would have to have, um, it would it would basically mean that like from now on, that's great because you can get it on all your devices. But all your devices have to be up to date on software. So B, I would have to have been running Yosemite in order to do that. No problem, right? Except Yosemite wasn't even out yet.
1: Right. They had yeah, there was that bad month where things weren't synced up.
2: But I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm not. I don't mean to make a straw man here. But I just I, what I want to get across is that that one little simple piece of UI that I think could very easily be be punched in the wrong direction would mean like a, a really a really tough time getting to my files for no benefit to me, and it just seems ludicrous that on a public release of this software. It would be requiring a feature that only developers had at the time. So that's the kind of thing that makes me really nervous and conservative. So, so I guess in summary, what I would say is, like, the thing is, like, Katie, you're in good shape because it seems to me like you are, and probably David, you're the kind of folks who stay pretty up to date. You get pretty up-to-date computers, you get up-to-date phones, you keep your software updated. Maybe there's folks out there who are running betas. If you are dedicated to that cycle and you're willing to spend the money that's required to support it, you'll probably be mostly fine. Like do lots of backups and all that kind of stuff. The trouble is though, if you're not, then there's not a lot of incentive to put that energy in until it really is proven and necessary because it, you know, okay, so we're going to install this great, great G with stuff that you see in a demonstration. Well, if I did all that great G with stuff, I still like almost so many of the things that are benefits of Yosemite. Don't do anything for me because my computer won't do anything with it. So in that case, um, just to be candid, being a blind Apple enthusiast who just gets the latest and greatest is not a smart idea. Anybody will tell you that. Like when they're yelling, when you're when you're feeling sad about how, why your computer doesn't work the way you want it to, or that you're now everything's slower. Uh, everybody will say, "Well, you should have done your due diligence." Well, if you don't need to do as much due diligence if you're on that cycle and you're willing to constantly be upgrading. If you're not constantly upgrading, I think you have to really read the fine print and make sure that it's going to be a useful addition. Updating to iOS eight on my, uh, our, our, our household's two iPad minis. Wow. (laughs) That was probably a terrible idea because they are almost unusably slow. I know it's really, it's really just an iPad iPad minis
1: that are like the iPad. That's what I was going to ask that are the iPad twos, not the retina ones
2: you know yeah these are these ipads they're basically little ipad 2s okay and but i mean but it pops up (laughs) it pops up and says but it says hey
1: i I can work no problem
2: well i'm not i'm i mean i'm not an idiot i mean if it wants me to update it i better update it right and then i did it now we've got these two ipads and in a second i'd love to talk about having the latest ipad uh uh what's it called the ipad ipad air 2 yeah because that's been a game changer for me. But using that as my one, of really almost my primary device these days, like it's astonishing how much slower those things feel. And I know that's a little bit unfair because that thing is so powered, but it's, it's pretty crazy how doing even just basic stuff, you just switch apps and it pages out. Like it's, you, you, you will lose whatever you were doing and it will have to start over every time. There's just not enough memory for, for dealing with iOS 8. So anyway, that's, I I apologize that that was a rat hole, but that makes me conservative because I don't want to have to go out and and buy new stuff, and I I want to be circumspect about getting what I need to do the stuff that I need to do, rather than feeling led along by all of this enthusiasm for this for these shiny new things. Because some of those shiny new things, as we increasingly see, just become a reason to buy more shiny new things. And if I don't stop and have a mindful moment of realizing what I actually need to accomplish. I mean, now, now I'm I'm just I'm just wasting time and money. So that's made me more conservative. Also, just also increasingly, you know, simplify, simplify. Trying to find more ways to to do more with less has become a really valuable thing for me. So whereas I used to be somebody who would try tons well, of new stuff and load tons of new stuff, now I'm more and more interested in like what I can where I can do more with fewer things.
0: The um interesting though. Okay, so let's take that tack for a minute. You you have an older. Uh, macbook air i mean it's the it's the 13 inch with the ssd so you know it's the new generation i got it MacBook in, in uh, so november first one november this, of 2010 you know, second phase. okay so yeah it's, so it's, know, it's, it's getting older now.
1: and then but, pre-battery stuff yeah
0: and and you uh so if you wanted to keep going with that have you considered replacing the battery in it i mean because i know that that you could fix that problem pretty cheaply relatively cheaply in in terms of buying a new computer
2: yeah, absolutely. I, I went to the Apple's site for these kinds of things, and it, it was not incredibly clear. Like, I, I guess there's different options for doing it. That's something I'd very much like to look into. My wife is, uh, is starting a new job, and she's going to get um, probably a tricked-out uh, MacBook Air uh, in, the next, in the next few weeks. So she won't have the need of that. We use it mostly as our home machine for doing all kinds of... Anytime we need a computer, we use my MacBook Air at home. Um, but... Um, uh, yeah, I absolutely have thought of that. What does that cost? What does it cost to, to you know, uh, replace a battery?
1: I, I think Apple will do it for like a flat rate. I, I think it's, you know, 200 bucks or so. But I did see a friend of ours on Twitter. I think it was Jonathan Cost um, replaced his himself. Um, and, and they're technically not user replaceable, but he said it wasn't that hard. And so that may be something you want to investigate, you know, get the battery and and see if you can do it yourself.
2: I am so brave. I'm no I am not I am so okay with having someone else open my computer these days.
1: <laughs> okay. But you yeah, right, you just know just what
2: I, I'll, I'll do it that. for you. No, oh, thank
0: you. I would love yeah.
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> no warranties. it's like you
0: open them and they and they pop and you're never going to unpop it, you know, <laughs> the, the way everything is packed in there so tightly. The um so so I get that. So the battery, then I I don't know um you know the, the one thing that i hear because like you i'm sure you don't have the necessary bluetooth radio for a lot of the handoff stuff and some of the newer features but the thing that would really bother me in your position would be the um the inability to run Yosemite software you know in the mm-hmm. way because a lot of the a lot of the good productivity apps these days are just kind of like saying okay guys you need yosemite if you're going to use this and you've got a computer that should be able to do it. Yeah, don't I, I don't know. I would investigate whether it's it's worth the update. and yeah. I understand what you're saying. And I, and you just to be clear, I'm not it, I'm not
2: advocating here. I'm not. I'm, I want to be super clear. I am not advocating that anybody do or think anything differently. I'm just you know talking about how 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 I feel with this and having a, a five year old Mac that mostly runs fine. Um, like I say, if it, if it when it becomes apparent if there's stuff that I use that's really basic that I can't. Uh, where I can't run stuff anymore, I, I'll, I'll I'll look at that. But it's, um, and you know, and I also would just like to say, like, apparently, like, the kind, you know, it's getting so much better for developers and better for users. And hallelujah. Like, I, I'm just one of the weirdos who hasn't upgraded. So I probably will at some point. But I, I just think, what's the benefit if it doesn't work out? What's the, you know, if it, if it, you know, it just, it's, there's such a, <clears throat> I sound like such an old man, but there's so much, uh, so much of a premium put on automatically updating whatever it is that you get like you've like you've got to buy a phone every year or two you've got to update your computer you got to do all this stuff setting aside the security things which are certainly important you want to keep those updated but like i'm just i'm pushing back against that i'm yeah. I'm, I'm tired of being compelled huh. to buy new things on a cycle for it. what I is increasingly that. feeling very unstable very intermittently in, in a way that it's very difficult to track down very undependable When stuff works great all the time, uh, I'll feel better about doing it. But, you know, I don't want to have to spend $10,000 in order to say that I'm up to date and and can send a cat picture, you know, to my phone from my computer. Like, I can do that with Dropbox or I can do that with Pushbullet. I can do that with tons of other little things until they make that impossible. That's still how I'll prefer to do that.
1: Yeah. And I... I don't upgrade my hardware probably as often as most. You know, I'm on the every other upgrade cycle with my phone because I, I won't buy it without a subsidy. And I'll probably be three, maybe four years on my iPad because I've got the Retina iPad Mini and I'm not going to update it, I don't think, next year. There's just no reason to. And my my MacBook's a little newer than yours. It's a 2012, but it's mm-hmm. pre that battery jump that they made. So I'll tell you, my, my battery's in pretty good shape, but it's, it's a stretch for me to get four, four to five hours. You know, maybe, maybe four and a half is about as max as I can do if I'm really trying to save the battery. So, I mean, just keep in mind in that particular machine with that processor, y- even with a brand new battery, you're probably looking at four to five hours, but... Not That's much fine. More than That's that. I
2: mean, it's, it's plugged in most of the time. Yeah, but I mean, just as a, well. But as that that
1: I mean, may be your problem if it's plugged in most of the time. Have you seen that fruit juice app that will nag yeah, you and I, tell you to unplug it and all that stuff?
2: Yeah, I use that. Yeah, I use fruit juice. Um, then fruit juice tells me that it needs to be serviced. But oh, okay. um, but the um, but but here's here's another example though. Um, the um. <laughs> I have absolutely zero interest in an iPhone six. I really like my iPhone five S. My wife, we got my wife a new phone a, f- uh, a couple months ago. Uh, we got our new five S. The six is too big, and I don't need all the stuff. I don't want it. I don't want it. I like the I like the five S better. Um, I just like it better. I, there's like if if I let. If I let my better angels prevail, I can stop for a minute and I can look and go, you know what? This phone is still pretty great. It bums me out that you can only buy the low uh, capacity ones now. I mean, obviously by design, they want you to buy a six. I don't begrudge anybody having a six. What I do begrudge is like being made to feel like some kind of a Luddite because I'd rather have this size phone in my pocket. Uh, now, on the other hand, I have to say, the iPad is such a leap forward. Like, now I I kind of can't imagine using anything else for that. In that case, it was absolutely 100% worth uh, the upgrade because it is fantastic. It's, it really, it's getting close to that point where this, this iPad, that iPad feels, that's the revolutionary device, really. I mean, the Retina iPad and the power that that thing has, what I can do in Pixelmator on the iPad curls my hair. It absolutely amazes me.
1: Well, maybe let's transition here and, and talk a little bit about your iPad and, and why that Mac iOS balance is, is off for you right now, or and maybe it's heading towards more the iOS side for you. Uh, but this may be a good time to take a quick break. Uh, David, if you want to talk about our, our first sponsor for this episode, and, and then we'll hit with some of the iOS stuff.
0: That sounds like a great idea, Katie. Let's talk about our first sponsor today, and that's Automatic. So what is Automatic? It's a connected car adapter. It plugs into that diagnostic port that everybody has in their car. And assuming your car is uh, since 1996, has got one of these ports and it pairs with your iPhone uh, when you drive and it connects your car to the Internet. So that gives you a lot of power. You can use it with the free mobile app, which shows you, for instance, when the check engine light comes in and explains in plain English what's going on. I got one for my daughter's car and it sends me notifications. So, um, she's not really good about keeping track of what's going on with her car and, and it costs me a lot of money if she doesn't. So now this thing is saving me money. And you can even clear the light if it's a small problem right from your phone, you know, before you take it to the mechanic. Uh, Another thing I really like about the automatic is because it's connected to the internet, it knows where your car starts and where your car finishes. So if you have to track mileage, it gives you the exact mileage for every trip you go. You can just log on, or you can open the app on your phone and get it right there. It even connects with if this, then that. So if you want to have it automatically log that stuff for you, you can do that. And I know some of our listeners are already doing that. We talked about that on a work for low show recently. Um, it also gives you feedback on your driving. So like if you're, braking too hard or accelerating too much, it lets you know, you know, Katie, there's a problem in my house right now because uh, my wife is driving my car as much as I am anymore because I, I work at home a lot and suddenly my score has gone way down and it's oh, really bothering. Yeah, you know? you're
1: going to get in trouble for that.
0: Yeah, I'm talking to her about it. Hey, you're messing up my score. No, uh, you're
1: you're going to get in trouble for saying that she's the reason your score is going down.
0: Well, I didn't say she was. I just said my score has gone down. <laughs> That's all. You. Nice work, counselor. There you go. <laughs> Um, It it also has crash detection. So if you get in a crash, it can call for help for free. Once again, I'm so uh, happy to have this device in my daughter's car. She drives a lot, and um, it just gives me a little bit of peace of mind, but it, it's just a, an amazing little application. Um, it's It seems so obvious. You can take your old car and you can make it feel like a smart car with this product and it only costs a hundred bucks. So you can get it for ninety nine ninety five. There's no subscription fees. So once you buy it, it's yours. And because you buy it through the Mac power users, you get 20 bucks off. It's just $80. So go to automatic.com slash Mac power users. I say, I'm sorry, just automatic.com slash mac power there's no users part there and it ships to you in two days and they have a 45 day return policy with free shipping so just get it and try it out if you're a nerd like me you're going to love it um like i said now we've got them in all three of the cars in our house and and we're taking advantage of it uh there's so many benefits from making your car a little bit smarter you can do all that with automatic go check it out and thanks automatic for sponsoring the show so so, Merlin, you got this new iPad and it's, uh, it's really helping you out.
2: Oh man, it's, it's so fun. I've always, um, you know, it's funny. The, uh, the iPad when it came out was, um, fun, but like it didn't feel, it did kind of feel like a big iPhone in some ways. And I don't know with this one, I don't even know, whatever I've got the latest one with the latest and greatest one. And it is it's, it's just bananas how, how it has made good. I don't want to say make good on the promise, but make good on the prospect of having a device that really feels like something uh, from the future in terms of its inner interface and use. And because, um, I mean, it's having those pixels so close to to the top of the glass, it really looks like they're right there. This is my first Retina iPad which I don't notice as much as you nerds do, but I do notice it, especially when I'm reading comics and stuff like that. But it is so freaking fast that I feel like I've discovered an entire world of new features I never even realized I could do before. Like, I think I, I knew that you could do, in Safari, you could do a two-finger pinch to pull out to, you know, the various tabs. But doing that on my iPad was like churning butter. Now, I can actually, like, go, woo woo and do a little pinch- and, uh, you know what I mean? Go back and forth. And in real time, it's responding as my fingers are moving, which just sounds like maybe not that big a deal, but it's, it's sort of like when I got a compute when, when it reminds me a little bit of the time when I got a fast enough computer and a new enough version of Quicksilver that I no longer had to look at Quicksilver. I just knew it would be there. I didn't have to wait for it to pop up. And it's so funny how like those little things with that particular interface makes such a difference. I'm more and more confident about using gestures. Uh, I should just say in general, the four fingers, swipe to change apps, the four finger swipe up to to go to the uh, launch pad or whatever it's called. All that stuff. I really, when I use it, I don't have to think about the fact that I'm using a little computer and I think it's a home run. I really do. Very expensive, pretty costly, but like, boy, is it ever great. And the stuff that I can, between workflow and Pixelmator and things like that, uh, it just blows me away what that thing can do.
1: You know, I don't think we've talked to you since Workflow App came out. You know, David did a screencast on it, and I've seen a lot of good stuff uh, that Federico's been, been talking about. But uh, tell the Mac Power users audience a little bit, because uh, we've had a lot of comments about Workflow App. How how are you using that? What, what kind of stuff are you doing? I, I know, is, I know. Here goes no, no, the rest of the is, show,
2: but. No, no, no. Actually not. This is the funny part. This is so embarrassing. If this had been even a year ago, if it was a year ago, I would have felt bad about the amount of time I was spending on workflow. If it was two or three years ago or five years ago, I would not have felt bad and I would have spent all day making workflow uh, stuff. I have not. All I have done so far is adapt other people's i have not spent enough time well no but it's really funny because it's like my dream come true the the dream of like a you know merlin five years ago it's 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 just a a, and and by the way i I really loved your thanks for sending me that link david your screencast on it was fantastic and very good at explaining like how and why you would use this the way it does but as much as i'm uh pretty bearish on you know a lot of stuff with apple and os 10 in particular um what you can do with apps and extensions on the iPad is really—it's so amazing right now. It—I used to say things. I do remember, like a, maybe a few years ago, I would—I think I said it on here. How when I did OmniFocus, uh GTD reviews, I would always use my iPad because I actually—I th- thought always thought that was the best way to do GTD reviews. Yeah, at the time it was. Yeah. Well, and but also at the time it was extremely unusual. I feel to say there's something I'd rather do on an iOS device than my then powerful Mac. And now today there are so many things I would rather do on the iPad inexplicably. I mean, obviously typing is always going to be easier on a keyboard. Like I'm an old man. I like typing on a keyboard, but all the stuff you can do with extensions, the way that like now I can have drafts set up as an extension to like know how I like to capture URLs and, you know, links for things and then go create a drafts document out of that. Um, God Touch ID, one password and beyond is is so amazing. It's that's changed the way I do so many things. Uh gosh, I guess I am kind of excited about Apple things. I um I really I really like the iPad and it is um workflow in particular, I need to spend more time with I do have the fear that it's a rat hole. <laughs> Where if I get started on it, I'm going to be doing nothing but making workflow things all day. But there are so many workflow things where I, I want to put out like a lazy lazy web thing. Like, can somebody go make this for me? Because I know it would be pretty easy. But uh, I mean, down down to stuff. Like, can't you do stuff like say, go grab this YouTube video and download it to a server somewhere? I mean, can't you do stuff like that with workflow
0: now? You probably could. I haven't I haven't explored that specific one. But yeah, I, my, my a, advice if people there's would a YouTube be,
1: to MP3 one.
0: Yeah, I mean, my advice would be just spend some time in it getting familiar with what it can do. You know, what are the various tools in there? Because the basically, I know this is a tired analogy, but it's basically a, a box of Legos that you're going to stack up. So just know what right. the, the, the specific blocks can do. And then as you're going through your day, you'll be like, wow, I'm doing this a lot. Maybe I should, um, Oh, I remember Workflow can do a bunch of these steps. Maybe I can just have it, take care of it for me.
2: That's good. That's, that's really good advice. The, the, the thing that I guess feels revolutionary about it is first of all, uh, wow. I had no idea these many things could be done on an iPad. Um, second of all, uh, wow. I had no idea that I could make these recipes do these things on an iOS device. But then I think, I think the missing piece, and I think this is where people like you and Federico are showing how this is more than just like a, a fun, silly nerd thing is that. Many of the things we previously thought of as limitations of mobile devices, it does not have to be a limitation, limitation anymore. Especially when you can interact. You know, with the file system, when you can do things with with these various services, I mean, you know, something like If This Then That by itself feels like magic to me. Having a Wemo um, set up, it seems like magic to me. But in this instance, there's, you know, there's, at least for now, there's so much stuff where it would have been such a pain to do, where you would have had to use something like Goodreader to get anything accomplished. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I still good reader, right? No. Is that what it's called? What's that awesome app I use? Goodreader? Yeah, good reader. I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a, that's a great app, but I don't need as much of that stuff as I used to. And having just a single button that does stuff for you, uh, is, 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 it is game changing.
0: There was like a, a degree of giddiness to me when I realized, uh, that workflow existed. They sent me, they, I, I got in on the beta so the first time I loaded it, I'm like, there is just like no way this is ever going to get approved because <laughs> I had this mentality that we'd seen in iOS for so long where even the most basic, you know, enhancements were getting shut down in the approval process. And I'm like, this is, there's just no way I'm like, "I, I it's to, so, to such an extent that I was saving the, you know, the builds to my Mac assuming it would never get approved so i could one day try and figure out how to like backload it onto my my ipad even though it wasn't an approved app but they got it through and and if you look at the updates that come out for it they just make it stronger each time but these guys are really on it you you know the developers behind this they're like 12 or something oh
2: that's so depressing
0: yeah Yeah, the the guy was uh, he's not 12 but he was at MIT he was at MIT and they had some scholarship or program where if you had a good idea, someone would pay you for a year to take a year off school and make something great. And he did it and he won that award and this is what results from it. And, um, I don't know. I, I'm like, you it's really hard for me not to get on a soapbox whenever I talk about workflow, but man, it's just so amazing that you can make the simplest little workflows, save it as an app and use push a button. And now they're going to be on, on the watch so I could, like, like the I'm going to be home in X minutes thing I could put as a workflow on my watch. I could tap my wrist and get in the car and go that was home. A
2: great. That was actually a really good um, demo you did of showing, like, how you would actually, you know, uh, want to use this. And, like, I'm this many minutes away from home and stuff like that. I mean, you know, maybe I wouldn't use that every day, but it very clearly illustrated, like, why something like this would be useful to make these little singleton um, work workflow uh, scripts or whatever you want to call it that would... Do those things for you? Yeah, I, I, I should spend more time with it. I, I got to that. I got to that that um, novice stage where I just was downloading lots of them, looking at them once, and then letting them accumulate. And you know, I, I, I guess I I should spend more time and be more patient, primarily at looking what other looking at what other people have already done before I do more of my own. But it seems uh, so. It, can you browse that from the web, or is there like a central repository for ones other people have made? There
0: is a website that uh, people that. I know of at least uh, there was a Reddit. Website. I mean, at one point yeah, there was just, there was, the was a Reddit, Reddit thread is what yeah. you're talking
1: about. And mm. honestly, I don't think the workflow guys have one. Do they, David? I haven't seen one associated with the workflow guys. And honestly, no. I think, I think that's where they're blowing it. There needs to be a, a better centralized repository because they're, they're clearly collecting them to feature them in the app.
0: Yeah. I made I made a goofy one that, that Katie shot a million holes in for me, like Sorry. right on line. I, I made one that would look at your battery and then adjust your settings Based on your battery life. Wow! And she's like, "Yeah, but then you got to load the app and push the button." And she made a point, but whatever. I made me happy to make it. But the uh, I noticed it got as long picked as it up. made you happy. It got picked up on one of these websites that has a bunch of them. They sent me a note. I'll, I'll find the link and put it in the show notes. But the um, there are repositories out there. But like just a simple another one I covered in the video that I use all the time because I'm always driving around to meet people. You know, I've got to go meet a client or whatever. I've got one where it just looks at my calendar and it'll give me the Google Street View image of where I'm going. And, oh, that's a neat idea. And it's just like you push one button and I see a picture of the building I'm about to drive to. And if it's if it's up in L.A. where I'm I'm constantly getting lost. I'm like one of those guys. I don't know how I ever got around before GPS. because oh, I, know, I know. I I honestly get lost so easily. <laughs> but if and, I actually, and
1: you don't stop and ask for directions.
0: Yeah, I do. I don't. I have no um, <laughs> hang up about that. I don't know why that's such a stereotype about men, but, but the, like uh, that
2: assumes other people know where to get places too. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> I think we're all suffering from that. Yeah.
2: But um, the um, yeah, I, I'm definitely I definitely want to spend more time with that. But it, it gets in, and I don't mean to change the topic from workflow. I'd love to talk about it more. But it also gets into this deeper thing of like I think one of the big uh, home runs in iOS eight uh, is is the extension stuff. Because there's just, there's so much stuff that I used to do a different way. Like, for example, you know, in some ways, I feel like so much of what turned out great on iOS, for me, I trace back to Instapaper. Instapaper was one of the first killer apps, I think, for iOS, because it took something that used to be kind of a pain in the butt. It did like three things that used to be a pain in the butt. One is, you know, when I find stuff to read, like, what do I do with it? Well, I print it out, probably, right? This is, you know, whatever, 2007, 2008, Uh, I guess 2008. So... But first thing this paper did was it gave you this this whole, like, pile, like your own little feed of stuff to read. That was really great. Just the idea of having that. Second, it made it so easy. With just this little dumb bookmarklet, it would add that to that feed for you from inside the app. You didn't have to do anything acrobatic. You just hit a bookmarklet and it sent it there. And then obviously also that... You know, we must always remember the brilliance of the way it would clean up a page to make it just the text that you wanted to read. But to me, that that still, however many years later, seven years later, that's still emblematic of how you can tell this was a great iOS app. Was It took a thing that used to be a real pain in the butt to do and actually made it easier to do in this place than somewhere else. So now having an Instapaper extension – I still use Instapaper – having this paper extension is so giant for me. Like I just, I'm using that constantly so that now when I'm back on my janky old uh, Mac pro, it feels so retrograde to have to click a a bookmark button (laughs) and run JavaScript to do it. (laughs) But I, I love that. I love that move. I love that change. And I mean, I don't know how workflow made it. I mean, given the nitpicking of some apps, and the un- uneven the unevenness of like what's acceptable to Apple in an app, I can't believe that thing's legal. I mean, along the lines of I guess like Pythonista and Editorial, you're kind of blown away that that thing is still allowed to go on, and I'm so glad it is.
0: And my theory is they have naked pictures of somebody important. That's pretty good. Yeah. The um. Now, how do you see workflow fitting with the other two kind of automated powerhouses? You know, drafts and. And um, Launch Center Pro. I mean, do you see a balance between them, or have you thought about it even at out
2: um, of? I don't do as much as I used to. Um, I uh, I mean, my basic workflow lowercase W is, is still very much the same. Which is on, on the home page of my iOS devices. Uh, and you know, it's, I sound like Richie Rich. I've got an iPhone 5s and I've got an iPad. So on, on both of those, on the home page, I've got drafts and I've got editorial. And really over 80% of the time, what I do is open drafts, I start typing something. And if it's something that I want to know I want to turn into a text file, either for the Mac or in editorial, I have a very basic script that I think everybody has, which is take the first line of this and make that the name of this file. So I'll type in something like, you know, blah, 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 and then S-D-A-T-E, which is my text expander for make this the date, right? Like a date stamp in there. And then I just go and click on the Dropbox button for create new file. Bloop, creates a new file. So that that for capture, that's just, that's just dynamite to me uh, for capture. Also, I mean, completely off topic, it does help that the dictation has gotten so much better and so much more responsive. I find myself using that more for just little bits of things when I know it's just one little fast thing. Uh And then if I need to do anything more significant with it, I'll go open it up in editorial. And I love, love, love editorial on iOS. So that's about it. And then all that gets, again, this is just what part of the third or fourth year of this, this singing, this song, is now all those files get, um you know, synced up through Dropbox. I guess the one big difference is I, I am still using those apps. I have not changed the use you know what I mean? It used to be, uh, <laughs> I was running four or five different text editors. I still have a folder with like eight different text editors on my iPhone. But I, I that's really it. Drafts and editorial is pretty much all I use. And then that all syncs up uh, through Dropbox. So it's on all the Macs and
0: everything works together. Hakuna Matata. And you're still using NVAlt Alt on the Mac side. I
2: am. I am. I, I really love NVAlt and Marked. I use those so much. I'm trying to think if I have anything particularly novel Um I think I've told you before, like, I don't have too much to add with NVL, but like, you know, one of the things I do is, you know, if I'm doing show notes, for example, or I'm doing like the notes section of a back to work episode where we'll put photographs, I'll just, you know, go, I have a little Dropbox folder with images in it by episode. I don't know why I do that, but I, I do. And then I'll just go right click and do the, uh, copy, you know, public link. And then there's a great, do you use, do you guys use NVL?
0: Yeah, I have a funny story about that.
2: Okay, I want to hear but But one of the things I love in MVAlt, because it is really all about the markdown in so many ways, uh, I'll type, like, if this is going to be the image, and I want to make a markdown image, I'll type name space image, like something unique, like, you know, uh, sparks space IMG. You select that, you hit... See, I don't even know how to do this without going and doing it. Uh, Option command V, do you know about that? If you option command V on selected text and you have a URL in the clipboard, it turns it into a markdown reference link. So it's a super fast way to go in and just start, you know, knocking all that stuff out. And then I've got a text expander uh, snippet where I type D-L-I-N-K-D link. I don't know why I called it that. But then, and whatever that word is that I'm using for the image and the URL for the link to where, where I want it, you know, anchored to, uh, it automatically creates that. So I mean, going and creating these links has become so easy, and I don't have—I'm not stuck just using TextMate. You know, now that uh, now that I've got that all in Text Expander, I can do it wherever. And for me, that's NVL—that's that's the place. And then I love Brett Terpstra's Marked app, Mark Two, I believe, uh, for previewing and doing tons of great stuff with uh, text files.
0: Yeah, and if you combine that with the the, ser- the text services that Brett released. Oh yeah, those um, are great. I mean, you, you're just done. And so my, my funny, my funny, and I'll keep it short because I think I've talked a little bit before with the audience. I don't think I know this. So I, um, I was using NVL and I'm like, you know, there's got to be something better out there. You know, the, the call of the nerd, you know, where you're like, there's got to be something better. I've got to figure this out. And I went, I tried to use Evernote to manage text, which was not acceptable. And, um, then I tried to use, there's, there's an app called write, which is kind of a, um, Universal app uses iCloud to sync, and it does fine, but it's just not as good. And I, I, w- I tried two or three different applications, and every time I did it, it's this massive transition project because I've got a lot of text notes that I keep track of and I like to use. And at the end of the day, I'm back in NVAult. I mean, it's just, it's just the one. You know, it's so fast, it's so easy to create a new note. But just the. The interface and the keyboard friendliness of it on the Mac, it, I, I just don't know if you can beat it. I, I know that they're working really hard on Vesper to get it on the Mac, and that would be another contender at some point.
2: Yeah, yeah. but, I mean, it's, boy, now, you know what, its we're back to 2000, 2004 and, and Quicksilver. It's extremely difficult to talk about why these things are, for me, for me anyway, I'll speak for myself, it's very difficult to articulate why I use this. I always struggle with that question. Well, why do you use that and not that? Well, you described the, the keyboard command stuff. Like, that's all in my fingers at this point. You know, the way that you, you escape to get out, the way that you, you know, whatever, command L, command D, all these different things. But, um, but also down to stuff like, you know, if you, if you know just a, a tiny bit about hacking around, how you can go and assign your own key commands so that note, edit width, et cetera. Like, the edit width is super powerful, because, as you guys probably know, if you're in a, if you're in a note and you want to open it with another app, you can assign a key command. So I have one key command: um, Control Command T opens it in TextMate. Uh, uh, command Shift E opens it in Marked. Uh, option Shift Command T opens it in Task Paper and uh and so you know when you're like i'll be sometimes i'll just be typing really crazy really freely in nvalt and i like putting in lots of white space just to kind of mentally organize it but then like in the case of what i sent you all this morning which is just an nvalt file i'll hit control command t open it in textmate then i have one key command that removes extra line breaks so that it only you never have more than two line breaks you know and it really just makes it look pretty and uh, and then I just save that I go right back in, in, in Valt, and those changes are reflected. If I open it in task paper because I want the functionality of task paper stuff, I open it in task paper, make, make, make the changes, save it again. Now that's synced everywhere, including NVALT, in including editorial. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's also probably emblematic of my desire to try and simplify the number of different ways I, I get at things. I'm always happy to have one less thing to use.
0: But NVL is like the, the hub of that data, which is Yeah, nice. it is NVL,
2: but NVL plus Dropbox, yeah. you know? And that Dropbox is the elephant in the room. I, I really hope that never gets screwed up because, you know, I think one thing Apple has to contend with is the bar that was set by Dropbox. Um, I'm not saying, I don't I don't know anything about how Dropbox is run. They might be kitten killers for all I know. But what I do know is that Dropbox works flawlessly an astonishing amount of the time and when it doesn't work flawlessly it fails in a way that's very easy to understand and very easy to fix so you know if, if the, the worst mistake I've had Dropbox make that wasn't the fault of another app and it can be the fault of another app but the worst mistake Dropbox makes as a place that a cloud storage system is it goes I'm confused about which one of these you want is the I'm confused about two things with the same name so I'm going to rename it and then let you figure out which one you want to use and I am so fine with that you know, and and now yeah. here's a tip for you: if that happens, so I've got these text files synced in so many different ways, it's not This is not Dropbox's fault; it's my fault. But it's not unusual for me to suddenly look and see five copies of a file in NVAlt, and I go, "Oh, I see what happened. There was a sync. You know, I was doing it quickly between different devices; it got confused." One trick trick I like to do is I leave on the word count in the bar in NVAlt. And then I'll just quickly arrow through those four or five documents and I can quickly see which one has the most words. And that for often enough, that's the one I know I want to keep. That's, you know what I mean? The one that had the most recent updates and additions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Well, I mean, it's, it's really nice when you, I do a similar thing with ByWord and, um, but whatever uh, third party alt, um, editor you want to use, NVAlt can be the hub of that, that whole system. And then switching back over to iOS because it's Dropbox based, you've got the, um, text editor of your choice which is editorial and i want to come back to that in just a minute so i want yeah. to talk talk about what you're doing with editorial because that's one where i feel like you feel with workflow i feel like i'm i'm using some of the basics in editorial but i haven't really made it my own yet um but uh, well in fact let's just talk about that for a minute what well, have you done in editorial to because one of the nice things about editorials it allows you to build these modules as well that to kind of do a lot of great things with your words marker
2: uh mark right there i'm gonna go grab my ipad and i'll be right back Okay. It's just well, it's just over here
1: t- Tell you what Merlin while Merlin's grabbing his iPad I'm gonna take a quick break and talk about in that our- case
2: in that case I'm gonna take a leak and uh, and uh, get my iPad marker uh, okay. <laughs> perfect <laughs> Well mark, mark that. that. Hey, yeah. Katie, Katie. Katie, can you tell me about something you like? I
1: can tell you about something I like. Uh, this uh, this break for Merlin is sponsored by our good friends over at Smile uh, and their awesome product, Text Expander. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Text Expander for iOS. Um, you know, uh, we've talked ex- about extensively, and even in this episode, in fact, about Text Expander for the Mac uh, and how you can use Text Expander to take small little words and phrases, things that you use often, and you can do such powerful things with Text Expander and have it expand into. Even longer segments of text. You can do amazing things with Text Expander by creating fill in snippets. You can even have Text Expander. Uh, expand segments of code, uh, create markdown files. Brett Terpsra uh, has gone crazy with Text Expander, so if you haven't already, you should check out some of his Text Expander snippets. Um, and you can go check out Text Expander if you haven't already over at smilesoftware.com and you can download a free trial of Text Expander. But what I want to talk a little bit about today is Text Expander for iOS. Um, Text Expander was able to come to iOS specifically because of some of the extensions that Apple enabled with iOS 8. So we've only had Text Expander on iOS. Well we've had Text Expander on iOS for a while now, but we specifically got the Text Expander custom keyboard uh, with iOS 8. And with the Text Expander Custom Keyboard, you can now expand snippets on any application on the iPhone on the iPad. So you can now create custom text expander snippets uh, either using the Text Expander app on your iPhone or iPad uh, or using Text Expander on your Mac because all of this will sync magically uh, through Dropbox. And using the Text Expander keyboard on iOS. Any of those snippets are available at your fingertips on any of your iOS devices and can expand in any app, regardless of whether the developer has built in Text Expander support or not. Uh, so Text Expander includes support for many languages, including English, French, German, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, and Swedish. Uh, you can use all of your Text Expander touch snippets uh, directly in many apps that support it. So before there was the Text Expander touch keyboard, uh, there was the Text Expander touch app, which meant developers like Byword and Drafts and Fantastic. Castical and Dispatch, they all integrated with Text Expander. And if you're in a Text Expander enhanced app, you can, even, you can do even more with Text Expander. So if you want to type faster on your iPhone or iPad, you want to use short abbreviations that can expand into so much more, uh, Text Expander is definitely something you should check out. Uh, so head over to smilesoftware.com. You can check out Text Expander. You can download it for the Mac. And if you want to check out Text Expander for iOS, it is available in the App Store. So thanks to Smile for their support of the show.
0: You know, a little quick plug, Katie, is if you guys are interested, I have, you guys being the audience, I have at my website, maxbarkey.com slash te snippets, I have uploaded all of my expander snippets. Wow. A big group of them, you know, like movie reviews, uh, how to set a conference call, like all the stuff I do. So that's another good place to go to if you want to get some good snippets.
1: Yeah. Merlin's back. Hi.
0: So let's talk about editorial and how you're using it
2: yeah i i uh i don't do anything too too fancy on it uh i i've i've gosh i mean and you know there are so many fancy things you can do but it's really i guess i would say i use it for text editing and text manipulation um i just because most of what i need to do is just get something from one place to another so like i say um in terms of like a an interest to perhaps let's take the workflow. Sorry, it's a term of art. Let's take something where I'm on a web page and I want to post that to Tumblr, but I don't want to just post it as just a link. Like, I might want to do some stuff with it. Like, in my case, I'd like to usually, I'm kind of weird about this. I like to. Make sure I cut out the word YouTube from the YouTube link. I like to mention what year it came out and who directed the movie and stuff like that. Things like all this dumb stuff. Plus, I want to write some commentary on it. So, I might do something that starts out as, okay, I'm on a page and I see a YouTube video. So, I will just go and click on the drafts. I'm getting to the to the uh, editorial part. But I'll start out, let's say, in a, on a Safari page on iOS. Uh, and I click the drafts extension. From the little uppy arrow, and I have that configured so that it creates the title of the page as the anchor text, and then using Markdown, it uses it makes a Markdown link using the URL, and any stuff that I have, any text I have selected on the page is added uh, with line breaks below and a little greater than symbol. So basically, anything I've selected gets added uh, as a quote. And you get the the three parts you need to have a basic little linky blog post, right?
0: And, and drafts does all that formatting for you. So right. And so done. so
2: the way that the way that it evidences itself is pretty interesting, though. You, all you have to do is be on that page, hit the extension, and you get a little pop up that shows you. Here's what I got. Anything you want to change? Nope. This all looks good. Hit capture. Bloop. That creates a new message in drafts. And I I do have my drafts synced up between the different uh, machines. It's all pretty much ephemeral content. I could delete at any time, mostly. But anyway, that goes into drafts. So I can go to drafts and look at it. If it's real simple, I'll just edit it in drafts. But so more often than not, I'll add a first line that indicates just a short little title. It could be, you know, um, let's say Power Station Video Tumblr Date, something like that. Save it. Boop. That gets saved to the Dropbox folder now. And that means I can pop over to editorial and open it up. And that's where I'll do more kind of extensive editing and also utilize the ability to preview as a preview markdown as HTML, which is as easy. I think this is. Pre-configured, but you just swipe from the edge of your screen, the right edge of your screen, swipe left, and it move, scoots you over to a little preview so you can see how your document looks. Anything else I need to do in there, I'll do in there. I'll, something I've started doing so much more now that I have a fast enough device is if there's anything I want to look up on the web, no matter where I am, I'll just select it and hit define and then hit search web. <laughs> it's the fastest way I know, know of to Google selected text. But Editorial also has a built-in browser. So if you want to go a browser that is scriptable, so you can set up things to say like, you know, that same kind of action I just did with drafts, you could create an editorial script that would do the same thing from inside of the editorial browser. It's all, it's all very interactive, very easy to use. Um, that's mainly how I use Editorial. I don't have too many super sexy
0: um,
2: custom things in here. Obviously, email text, print this.
0: Uh, um and I guess that's what I need to accept is first I I think I get intimidated by all the great stuff Federico does where he writes python scripts to make it like make your iPad stand up and dance literally in the room while while you're writing Um, where you don't really need that. Once again, like workflow, there's a lot of really great built-in tools in there. You know, get the word count, you know, send an email, do the markdown. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we need just when we're writing is already there and you can put them together in whatever order you want and and kind of make it your own.
2: That's a very sane approach. You know, an analogy might be in the kitchen. Um, I think a novice cook might want to go to Creighton Barrel or William Sonoma and pick up every little gadget that can do every little thing. But your best investment might be to get a really good knife, learn how to use it, and then fit, just learn enough about how to keep it sharp. That, that's how I look at it, is that there are these basic things that I do over and over, and anything that can help me do that um, in a way that simplifies what I do or feels intuitive to the way that I think and work, feels friction-free, that's what I'm going to gravitate towards. And once again, you know everything syncs up uh, with the Dropbox. The, the other thing I use Editorial for, and I, this could be a huge rat hole, is I, I've for years I've been a fan of Task uh, TaskMate. Uh, I think by Hogbay Software. I've been a fan of TaskMate for years. It's a very very simple um, ta- task manager. It's a to do list app, really. But it all is based on text, pure text, and the way you format text informs what it does with it. So when you're in task paper, it feels like a, like a real like gooey app, but all it's really doing is formatting text such that string of text colon with no spaces creates a project. You create a new line and start on that line, start with a dash that makes it a task. Add uh, an at that symbol in a string. Um, and it makes that into a context and it becomes a really, really, really lightweight, Way to just have a very quick little to do list. Why do I say that here? You could do that in task paper, but Editorial has basic support for task paper. So when you create a new document in Editorial, it can be a .txt, a .md, or a .task paper. If you do it in .task paper, it recognizes most of the um, you know the code highlighting stuff. You can actually have different colors for tags, and you get a really cool little handle on the right side of the screen so that you can move stuff around. Um, in the GUI without having to copy and paste. You can just move lines up and down. And uh, I I don't know. It's just, I I still, I love OmniFocus. I, I, you know, whatever you use as your big productivity app, but there are just days when I want to say, okay, uh, I just dropped my kid off. I need to pick her up at two or three. In between then and now, like here's six things I really want to do. And I make a little list. (laughs) It's like the opposite of what GTD recommends. But some days I just find that very, very easy. And making that just being a text file that syncs everywhere and works with editorial is just dynamite.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's one task manager to rule them all. You know, there's different contexts and for everybody. But the um, you mentioned drafts, and we've we've been dancing around it. But in my mind, drafts is still the granddaddy of all automation on iOS. Almost everything I write starts in drafts. It's in my doc. I I just love that application so much. I think if there was one place I would recommend starting be with drafts
2: i i I agree and all i would say and i know you know this and most of the listeners know this the thing is drafts uh it's it's so simple and plain in a good way you open it up and there's a field and you're like okay why does everybody love this app but the thing to understand about drafts is it loads super fast and you start typing and then drafts is all about what you do with what you just typed and i think in some ways like NVALT, you can think in very, very small units. NvAlt N- has taught me to think in very, very small units because the more atomic each file is, the easier it is to find exactly what I want. So I don't have that many things that have 2,000 words in it. I have a lot of things that have like two or three lines in it where it's just some little dumb thing I want to capture. That search is so great. And in that same way, same, you know what I mean? With drafts, like to just use it all the time for just little dumb bits of stuff. Never type a field. I, when I watch people type in a field on Safari, the hair on my neck goes up because I'm like, are, are you crazy? No, go to drafts to type that. Copy all text, jump over, paste it in. It's so much better and you're so much less likely to screw something up if you do it that way. It's so funny. I never write anything in a form field anymore. I do everything in either. TextMate, TextMateNVALT editorial drafts <laughs> isn't that a weird tick i just i don't trust like web pages as a I place to capture inf- information probably
0: borne out by experience i mean how many times have you worked in a web field and had something go wrong in the middle I'm plenty like, it's plenty and, and in drafts what is it it's this little like what do you call that thing
2: this little windowy looking dingus but you hit that thing and you can see all your custom commands under there you can organize them very drafts is so smart about understanding here's this thing i made go do stuff with it go make a calendar event using natural language um go add this to a list in my reminders uh whatever it is you want to do i don't have that that many i use
1: how do you uh, have yours set up that might be a good way to to help people get kind of started with it because i know some people just have trouble getting started with drafts and i think maybe it's because they do too much yeah or they're trying yeah. to the set up too much
2: yeah, probably. You know, it's funny. I, I really feel like in order to really get to know an app, um, you think about something like think about any. Think about learning Unix. My gosh, think about learning the shell. I mean, you could you could spend a lot of time trying to memorize you, you know every conceivable command, but not every command in Bash is created equal. You're going to use cd a lot more than you use Trough. As great as awk is, you're going to use. Um. what Um. you're going to use CD or you're going to say uh, PWD there's like this handful of ones that you're going to be using so much more than all the other ones but you don't know that when you start out because if you just buy an O'Reilly book they all kind of seem equally valuable learn those five commands and you're going to go so far and with this I would almost say like gosh you know Oh, there's so many of these great commands. Maybe I'll scoot those over into a directory and concentrate on getting good at like five or, you know, remembering that you can use these five. And to start out, like the ones I've got under my main tab copy to clipboard, uh, email, message, share. It's got to, you get a share sheet. Uh, open in, export, create a reminder, create an event. But then I've got one called social SOC, which is social, which is all stuff like Twitter, Tumblr, etc. cetera. Uh, I've got one called MD, which is all just stuff like change this, uh, markdown, make this a markdown document, send it to the clipboard as HTML, et cetera. And then I got another one called Dropbox, which is just all different file things. Like, uh, you can append files, right? Append two files. So I have a whole bunch of like running lists that I keep on Dropbox. So if I remember like a gift, I wanted to get my daughter. I just type one line in drafts and then click on Ellie gift ideas. And that gets appended to that list. That's it's that simple. But you don't have to get that deep. You don't have to get that herring in the weeds about it. If you just use it with copy to clipboard, that's a great place to start. But then stuff like once you realize you can do stuff like do basic markdown and then copy to your clipboard becomes very very useful.
0: And even there's even more uses for drafts. Like one of mine that I use most often and is one of the easiest to set up is I have one that sends a text message to my wife, my daughter, and to both of my daughters. And you know, it pretty often I need to send them a text message about something. And I just open drafts. I say, I push the button, it sends it off, and it's done. And I know that you could go in messages and try and find the thread that the three of us are on, and all, but it's just so much faster in drafts. Yeah, another, right. A, another tip would be um, that you were talking about dictation earlier. For some reason, for me, drafts is just like prime real estate for dictation because yeah, they're small notes usually. Open it up, push the little microphone button on your keyboard and start talking, and then make something happen with it.
2: I'm such, I'm such an old man um, that I, I mean, have you done the thing? My wife did this yesterday. My wife accidentally sent me her location from messages yesterday. I have, I mean, in the early days, especially, everybody I knew was accidentally sending each other voice messages. I don't know why they put that microphone where they did. But I, you know, after the initial message, I'll do a lot of my shotgun and jive and write in the app. But f- this is so dumb and such an old man thing. I'll frequently take a minute to write <laughs> Sounds so dumb. The sentence or two that I, that I want to use to capture someone's attention in a message, I'll write that in drafts because that's where I write things, copy that, and then jump over to messages and put it in. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 You know what? I still like people who write in full sentences and use punctuation. I think, I think I'm still really a relic in that way. I'm not using periods because I'm angry. I'm using periods because I'm an adult. So I like to write in sentences. And if that's out of fashion, I'm okay with that. Um, so, but for me, you know that way I'm not getting into things where I'm like running around and hitting the wrong button and sending five minutes of <laughs> voice recordings or something like that. Uh, it, it can be for the what you need to the bottom level of this is the bottom line is that you don't don't think about this as the app that does a million different things. Think about this as the app that is where text starts and then, really kind of make yourself use it that way. And then you will see what this does. Once you start getting out of that habit of typing in all these dumb places that are unreliable, put it in here. And again, if you start typing, you don't need handoff for this. If you start typing in drafts, you abandon it. I have mindset to create a new file every five minutes. So I could go run around, go somewhere else in the, you know, on the same device, come back, add to that. If it's been more than five minutes, I can just click the little file list and pull up the one that I've been working on. But that's also now synced with my other iOS devices. So if there was some snippets, some passwords, something like that, it's all in that stack.
0: Yeah, that's a really nice app. And I also want to talk about extensions um, because there's some that I'm interested if you're using or not and how you're doing it. But before we do that, I'm going to take a minute and talk about um, our sponsor, the Omni Group. And uh, speaking of task managers, I want to talk about OmniFocus. They have been busy,
2: David. They are so busy. I know. I can't they, believe they, that their output is staggering.
0: Well, I mean, just the idea that they said, we've got all these great iPad apps, let's just put them on the phone. And, or, or your wrist. Yeah, that's true as well. Um, and they just did it. I mean, it, it, this was not a small project. I know from some of my friends at Omni talking to them how hard they worked on it to make it happen, but... Uh, all of their apps, all their iPad apps are now on the phone as well. You know, the phone's got bigger. Now I know you like your smaller one, Merlin, but if you got the bigger phone, why not have OmniGraffle on it? Or why not have OmniOutliner on it and be able to do it? Uh, but today I was going to talk about Omnifocus too, because it's just so it's uh, such an improvement over the original version it's easier to use than ever and it it's easier to get into than ever. I think one of the complaints with the earlier version is is the the learning curve was too steep, so they made it easier and they continue to make it better and better with this latest version that came out um, you can now actually customize the order of the little buttons with your custom perspectives on the phone and the iPad. And you just drag them up on the screen and it, it automatically formats the size. And I really like that because I've got some custom perspectives I use all the time and now I can get to them faster than ever. Um, the forecasting, I mean, we were talking about it earlier in the show how it used to be you had to go to the iPad to do the review. Well, not anymore now. It works everywhere and it looks really great. Um, It's easier to review than ever. The application makes it easier to add tasks. They've tied in entirely with the extension system. So I can be in Safari and I can push the little extension button and save a link to OmniFocus without having to run any JavaScript. Um, They've got it coming and going. If you've got a phone now, I'm sorry, if you've got a watch, you can see your most important tasks show up there. If you're on the Mac, you just slide over with the two fingers from the right side of the screen and they're a notification center and it'll show you however you define the most important tasks you want from there. And I do that all the time. Uh, Merlin was talking about his hot list of five or six items. What I do a lot of times in the morning is I will flag and OmniFocus a few items that I really want to make sure get done that day. and And I've got that set up. So when I go into notification center, either on my iOS devices or my Mac, it shows the flagged items and the items that are about to become due, and it's a really great reminder for me to get through those five or six items every day and make sure that I don't, you know, bypass those. Uh, the application has just continued to grow and get better. The, the people at the Omni Group just keep working so hard to make it the best task manager, and I don't know how I could get by without it. Uh, with the recent changes in my life now, I am running two businesses I'm a lawyer, I'm a dad, I'm doing all these different things without OmniFocus. There's just no way I could handle it. So go over to the OmniGroup.com, check out OmniFocus. You can download a free trial on your Mac if you want to. Um, There's some great videos. They've got that inside.omnifocus.com website now with more videos. And and Merlin has talked about it. I've talked about it. We've all published things on it. So, So go check it out. If you've been having trouble, you feel that angst lately about you can't seem to manage your tasks or figure out what you need to do. OmniFocus is a really great solution. And thanks Omni group for all the support of the show over the years.
1: Merlin, you've talked about how happy you are, you know, moving more towards an iOS based ecosystem. Uh, What's next? I mean, you know, what are you hoping that that we see? I know it sounds like on the Mac side, you're hoping that you know things stabilize, um, but on on iOS, it sounds like like you're pretty happy if if you you know people about this time of year are coming out with with wish lists. Or are, are you pretty happy with the state of iOS? Or where would you like to see things go?
2: Hmm, that's a good question. I had not thought about that. I um, I don't know. I mean, there's there's some things that can be very frustrating. Um, about iOS. I guess, you know, I, I, I understand and accept that in order to do interesting and powerful and exciting and hardware selling new things, you know, you have to see a growth in what these devices are capable of from the hardware and software, you know, standpoint. They've got to do more stuff, and they've got to do more stuff faster, and increasingly, I guess, they've got to do more stuff thinner. I'm not as big a fan of the thin stuff as some folks, maybe. I, 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 uh, just I, iOS, or, excuse me, devices in general, um, I would always take more battery life. I would love that. Although, I'm, I gotta say, I'm pretty satisfied with, especially with this iPad. As far as the software and, and, and what I'd like to see, I don't know. Um, I guess, not really. I don't have that many wish list items. I, I wish that Apple... Would make things clearer with developers. I wish they, I wish they would make it clearer to to developers that this is a platform that they can trust and grow with. Because I think we're maybe a a year or two uh, away from. Well, no, we're not a year or two away. We're seeing people increasingly very reluctant to put a a lot of resources into making something for iOS just because they're not sure if it's really ambitious. Will it make the cut? Will it get in? You know. And so as the app economy changes, and more and more, there's a push toward free with, um, in-app payments, I would love this. Again, I'm an old man. I would love to see something uh, where there's a vote of confidence. The developers knew that if they made something great and they had, they had an audience, they could, they could sell it. It could get found on the store. It could get promoted on the store. You could charge 10 bucks for it and people would buy it. I have a, I have a lot of worries and concerns that the health of the app store and Apple's relationship with developers is damaging uh, the platform. Because, I, you know, I think we'd see more great stuff at this point uh, if some of those things would get fixed. I just think it's been a long time since those things have been really taken care of. I mean, go try and find any app on the App Store, and it's kind of depressing. Because um, I think, you know, the thing is, like again, something like Workflow, I don't know how that got made. I don't know how that's up. You know, if you remember what drafts went through with whether you'd even be allowed to create a draft from that, from the, uh, the lock screen and stuff like yeah. that, my gosh, let, let them, let them do it all. I mean, I, I, I would love to see developers be able to incrementally improve their products by leveraging what these devices can do, you know, rather than going in the direction of uncertainty and not being sure what they can do. I think if, if when that, when those relationships are mended, we're going to see more interesting stuff than we could ever imagine.
0: I think, it, uh- a corollary to that is the problem with the app economy in general for productivity apps i mean there's p- plenty of people making a lot of money selling games that you download for free and then you know pay a dollar every time you want extra coins or whatever mm-hmm. but the uh, but the productivity app guys they can't do that you know they've they've you buy a productivity app you need it to work entirely and and customers just aren't used to pay paying you know ten dollars just even ten dollars oh yeah for, for an app that they're going to use every day to make their lives easier and more efficient and and you know we're, we're all friends with app developers out there that are struggling because not because they can't make a great app but because they can't make a living on it with that economy
2: absolutely and we've seen how the development cycles and and approach and marketing have all had to drastically change well that's fine that's ju- that's just evolution but the problem right now is that all, in my estimation, so many of these things feed into each other in a way that is pretty malignant. So, you know, you you in order to get featured and in order to get big, you kind of got to be free. You got to be free or you got to be super cheap with in-app purchases. Um, and if you're not, well, then you might just not make it. Your first day might not be big enough for it to be sustainable. And if, it, if you do make it, let's say your company... Um, I don't want to name names, but like like sponsors of this show, where you have made an app that is fundamentally changing and improving the lives of power users in particular for years. Well those folks have already bought it. So what do you do now? You can't really charge for upgrades. So you have to come up with a new version. And then the way you present that could be very off putting to old users who then go leave you a one star review because those reviews get wiped with every revision. You end up getting these one star reviews. They're going to again plummet you further and further down. Uh, or you're going to, you're going to put off new people by charging what you need to have a living wage. So I don't know. I don't think it's an easy thing to solve. It's just that. You know, you, you would have to be pretty blind to not realize how much the work of those developers are of what made these devices as great as they are. I don't think people bought iPhones because it had stocks on it. I don't think yeah. that people bought yeah. iPhone because it was a phone. I think they bought it because of these apps. And keeping that economy thriving and providing something sustainable that will have these veteran Apple developers working on this for years is going to mean some significant changes in, in how, that they're, how they're treated and how their products are presented.
0: Matt, switching back, though, to the – I agree with all of that. Uh, but I want to go back to the extension discussion. Yeah. Katie, uh, Katie jumped over that. Well, I no, because I, I was
1: actually heading there because I was going to say one – I thought he was going to head to, you know, more extensions.
0: Well, well, let's talk about extensions because yeah. it, you know th- this is a really great feature in iOS eight, and we're all using it. And and um the the first thing I did was I enabled them all, <laughs> you know, just like at one point after iOS eight released, I had like seven keyboards and you know hundreds <laughs> it felt like of extensions running it all the time. Uh, but now it's kind of the dust has settled a little bit, and I find all this stuff very useful. But I'm not doing. As many of all the whiz bang things as I did when the the OS first released. What are the extensions that you're finding most useful?
2: Oh man, far and away, uh, I think the ones that I use the most because I I, I do a lot of web browsing on on the uh, computer, uh, on excuse me on the iPad <laughs> on the computer on the iPad. Uh, one password. Uh, I use, which is such a brilliant app and so wonderfully implemented. And with the Touch ID, it's just it's just still the best and keeps getting better. I use 1Password a lot for logging into sites or for, you know, doing what you do with passwords. And I use Instapaper a lot. I have a few workflows that I use. Um, and then I do stuff like, I you know, post to Tumblr from inside. Um, trying to think of some other things that I do. I don't do... I don't use that many different extensions, but the ones I use, I really rely on, you know, the ability to print from the iPad. Obviously I, I use a lot. I think that's one thing they. I feel like they really got structurally right is the way the whole notion of, I, I'm not sure if extension is, is exactly the best word. Cause in my mind, that means uh, the s- system level invisible software on, you know, <laughs> OS eight or whatever, but with that said, it, it does, it does make a huge difference. And there are ones that I would really like to see. I could probably make some of these with workflow, but for example, I use a, a home media management app called Plex that uh, basically wrangles a bunch of um, any of your DRM free media files. So music, especially movies, photos, whatever you want. I use it mostly for movies. Um, I would love the ability, but it also has a great, has a great set of uh, their own uh, extensions, add-ons, plugins, I guess you call them. So for example, you can watch YouTube videos inside of Plex. Not, not, not that big a deal, right? Well, there's a Plex bookmarklet right now where you can take, if you're on any page that has video it can find, it will add that to your queue. Complex. So now, when you get back to the house, all you have to do is go to this your, your little uh, YouTube area or video area. I guess they call it the queue. And any of the things are you getting me on this? Like you don't want to sit there and watch these long videos on your iPhone. You just toss them into the Plex queue, and then that night you can show it to your kid. And go, hey, here's the here's the Star Wars trailer. It's right there. So I would yeah, love to see nice. Plex do an extension. I could probably maybe if I could Lazy Web request that. I wish Plex would just make that. But a Plex extension would be great. I would love, and again, I could probably make this myself. But a Huff-Duffer, um extension, uh, I would really love. That's these are all I think very simple. But um, having those things everywhere and working in the same way is such a leap over bookmarklets. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. the bookmarklets are great, and I still use them. I still use them a lot. I still I use them as little shortcuts a lot of time. Um, or I'll use them as, you know, JavaScript functional bookmarklets, but I love the, the, it's, I gotta, gotta really hand it to the folks who came up with the extensions. I think it's a great idea. I think it'll only get better. Uh, and as it, as it evolves and gets kind of cleaner to use, I could see it becoming easier to use inside, you know, the interface, less clicking, but, uh, I, I, I love them. What, what are the kinds of things
0: you guys use? Have you ever tried clips? Uh-huh.
2: I've got clips uh, running on my yeah. uh lock what do you call that dumb thing? The lock screen, the little yeah, pull notification down notification screen. Yeah, yeah.
0: right. Yeah. Clips and is I, pre- clips is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean it's it's not a, you know, it all it gives you kind of an unlimited clipboard on your iOS device. Although it's not as convenient as on the Mac because it doesn't auto save to it because of the limitations with the operating system, but anything you save your clipboard, you can dump in clips. And it syncs. Yeah. And so I'm working on my iPad like you and I'm going through and I'm pulling things like even just like the legal stuff out. I'll pull a quote out of a case on Westlaw and I'll pull, you know, just different places I'm going. And suddenly I'm assembling all these bits of text. Then I want to go develop it into something bigger. It's all right there. And I find that thing so useful. Yeah. and And having it sync up is really handy, too. I, and I don't know if they have any competitors, because when that came out, I'm like, yes, this is it. And I've never gone back to see if somebody's made it easier or faster. But but Clips, as is, is, is a pretty great application.
2: I don't use as I'm, – I'm using the today – what is it called? The What, what do you call uh, you know, it? <laughs>
0: It should be called widgets, is what it should be called, because that's what it's turned into. Right? Yeah, I've got
2: it's, I've got the weather, I've got reminders, I, I calendars,
1: the today view, and you can today add view. To yeah, it. yeah.
2: I got clips. I uh, use delivery. The June Cloud app deliveries. It'll show me my like, deliveries, and then I got drafts. That's all I use right now, and I don't even, I don't like think to go there that much because with Touch ID. You know, it's so fast to go from this thing's being charged to I'm doing something in about ten seconds. So frequently, that's that's the fastest way um, that I get around. But I think that's one of the most interesting things in this, and I really hope it continues to grow and be able to do more interesting things. Like personally, the idea of of the of the Apple Watch right now is theoretically appealing to me but practically something I'm going to wait probably at least a year on. Whereas the Apple watch type functionality being available on your lock screen is a no brainer. Like why not have more stuff, for these complications, yeah. why not have yeah. those on your lock screen? So when you pop it open, you've got an entire little dashboard and you know, again, according to your own security needs or whatever, but the, the, but the idea of having the kinds of things that people want on an iWatch on the lock screen of an iPad would be a game changer to me.
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me, too. And and hopefully they get there. Like one of the you were talking earlier about things we would like for iOS 9. I know you're not a mail user, um, but I am. I use the mail app and they they don't have extensions enabled in the mail. And it would be so much better if they did. I mean, just the ability to make a workflow to save as PDF, something as easy as that. Um, It's not in the mail app. You don't have share sheets. No. No. No Oh, my
2: God. That's That's so
0: bizarre. I agree. I don't know how that, how that happened. And <laughs> if it doesn't come out in iOS 9, I'm going to be really disappointed because it could make mail a much better application, you know, just like we all go by. Wait, talk you about know, an
2: anti-pattern. I mean, I, I'm just so dogged about and I mean, even to this day, me, the inbox zero guy, like it's still so important to me to minimize the time that I spend dealing with email in order to, um, focus the time that I spend on doing something with that email like I've got to do something with it the last place I want to be is email I mean that's like writing checks to pay your bills while you're sitting in your mailbox it's nuts so the idea that you couldn't send those places seems really weird like to PDFs or to I mean like I just there's so many things you could you can focus omnifocus, omni-focus. I mean, it's a no-brainer
0: it yeah well it, it it is but it's not there so hopefully they'll figure that out uh shortly uh, but, but the extensions really have upped the game for me. And the fact that they approved an app like workflow to me is very encouraging. Um, and I don't know, you know, if that, if that's a false sense of security, but <laughs> I mean, the fact that that app got through to me signals to me, at least that they're willing to look at, you know, these kind of power user apps <laughs> in a little better light. Now. That's,
2: that's, that's a funny way to put it. Cause I'm like when I think about stuff with my kid and as uh, lame, lame dad stuff, but when I think about stuff with my kid, Like, I know how important it is, how crucial it is to be consistent with a kid. It's like it's the hardest part. But, you know, part of that consistency is that, I mean, you know, like, for example, yesterday, like all kids, you know, she was in kind of a sour mood and I could tell she was trying to leverage it a little bit. And I, I, you know, said the kind of thing you have to say sometimes, which is I said, you know, I know you're I know you're sad right now and there's nothing wrong with being sad, but you being sad does not change the way the house works. You still have to have a bath. You still have to go to bed. The only question is like, how are you going to feel about that? You know? So I, ha- I feel like I have to provide that consistency, but then also be consistent in why it's that way. We wash we wash our hands because we're not monsters and we don't want to get sick. But that doesn't change the fact that we have to be consistent. Like there's a reason why we do this that I might need to remind you of, but I shouldn't have to remind you. It should become like a habit. And so like with developers... The part that makes that so weird is that they're not consistent in how they apply these things. And you don't—you may not understand why something got accepted, let alone why it didn't get accepted. And Mike Hurley talked about this on a recent Inquisitive, is how, how strange it is to you know have an app and then update it. I forget which one of his interview people said this, but you have an app. It's been going great for months. You make an update to it that's really trivial, and then it gets rejected for this really random reason that's been there that whole time. Well, that's probably just resource constraint, but I'm sorry, I'm doing it lot again. But that consistency is so important and going like, well, here's the rule, here's the reason we didn't do it, and here's what you need to do to fix it. Like, we're not here to make you whack at a pinata. We're not, you know, the great and powerful Oz. We want you to make a great app that follows the rules. Here's the rules. Here's how to follow them. Any questions? That would be so great. Because I don't think people are going to invest a year. I mean, you think that Workflow Kid would have done that if it was his own dime? I you mean, know, spending a no, year on an app? No, that's really no. risky for an app like that. Are you going to yeah. go down there? Are going to go to Cupertino and have a meeting and talk about whether it's going to be acceptable? They're going to cross their arms and say, well, it depends. Submit it and we'll let you know. But that's it. That's like that's six months of work just to get to that point.
0: Oh, there's some some friends, some mutual friends of ours that that develop apps that I know for a fact when they've got a major update, they go to they bring the development team to Cupertino. and They get hotel rooms down the street and they want to be, you know, within five minutes walking distance of those reviewers as the things going through. And why should it be so hard? I don't, you know, it's like the
2: Supreme Court or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about geek parenting because. Because if you're okay with that, because, I am you know, okay. It's, I hope uh, it's not too lame. I'm. I think it's no, a very I, interesting topic. I, I think it is, and and the thing is, you know, we talked about this a long time ago. But Eleanor was very young then, and now she's 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 a, she's a girl now. She's you know she's causing trouble. She's out there having fun. She's not a little little baby anymore. And I know that that changes. You know, as a parent, the kind of technology you use and how you deal with it. I'd love to hear how you're. Yeah, doing totally.
2: That. I, I, I want to say it was John Gruber. or I forget. Some friend of mine said. It's a really big deal when you suddenly realize, you eventually realize that your kid has definitely gone. It might have been you when you realize your kid has gone from being a child to being a kid, because there is and, kind of a difference.
0: And it's just wait until know, she goes know, from being a kid to a woman. Uh, I'm I'm dealing with that in my in my life. There's
2: this there's <laughs> but, this fifth grader at her school who who it's been incredible this last year to watch this kid. I swear to God, this girl grows like an inch a week. There's a fifth grader there who's taller than me. It's completely baffling. It's really freaky. But no, I would love to talk about that because I think it's, it's interesting to think... Uh, there are several axes that interest me, and we can go any direction you want. I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the idea that, you know... So like I said in that note, screen screen does not equal, equal bad. I think that is a change in state of mind that parents have got to get their heads around. It's no longer as simple saying, simple as saying you can watch an hour of TV if you've done your homework. This is the new literacy. That really interests me. I'm also very interested in the idea of how kids' relationship to technology and how they relate to other kids. Like Minecraft is like a way of life. YouTube is a way of life. If you If you refuse to let your kid even have any exposure to that, You're not just making them a social pariah. You're keeping them out of a conversation in the same way as not letting them play Little League or have a goldfish. I mean, I think that's the kind of thing we need to start talking about. And finally, I'm very interested also in the idea of how uh, there are opportunities. What did I say? I should just read what I wrote. That there are opportunities to learn things like time management and self-control when it comes to this stuff and that that really looks it, it reflects on me too like am i i'm allowed to sit on sit and play on the ipad for five hours but you're not why is that let's talk about that when is it okay for us to do this when is it okay for us to look at screens uh during dinner or when we're having a conversation because you know that habituation is what makes a person so anyway as you can tell i'm very
0: excited about these topics yes uh, and i want to i want to dig into that stuff but before we do we'll do our last sponsor read katie if you have a minute
1: yeah, I want to talk a little bit about uh, lynda.com. Now, we've we've talked a lot about lynda.com. You know, lynda is an online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses that will help you strengthen your business, your technology, and your creative skills. And if you want to try lynda, if you haven't already, uh, you can get a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash MacPowerUsers. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash MacPowerUsers. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about training recently. I personally like the lynda.com videos. I'm curious. I like to learn things. But I I went to this conference recently, and it was a legal-related conference, but it it could be for, for any field. And I realized that this is an area where we, we professionally are blowing it, you know, with, with our employees and with our staff, we we budget all of this money for, you know, upgrades and new technology. And, you know, last year, last year, we did the upgrade from, you know, Windows XP to Windows 7. And, you know, we budget all this money every year for technology upgrades and office upgrades. But you know what, we, we really didn't budget any money for uh, knowledge upgrades for our people who, who were expecting to use these. And as a result, you know, our staff is smart, they they figure it out. But I just can't help but wonder, you know, how much time are we wasting? Uh, because they are just kind of muddling through and figuring things out on their own, where with a little bit of training, we could get back, you know, multiple fold the amount of time that we're people are spending just kind of figuring things out, if they had a little training and a few tutorials. And that is where lynda.com I think is going to be our solution and where we're going to try to learn some of these things. Uh, for example, they've got a uh, lynda.com tutorials on all of the major operating systems on all of the, uh, office suite of products. You know, if you're going to do lynda.com in your workplace, those are all things that you can check out. Um, if you want to learn about productivity and organization skills, they've got com courses and tutorials on that. Um, anything that you want to do to, um, from building a website to learning negotiation tactics to building, uh, you know, uh, skills to boost your business, you're going to find something on lynda.com for that. So you can watch and learn at your own pace from industry experts who are passionate about teaching. You can stream thousands of video courses on demand, learn on your own schedule, you know, bring in lunch for your staff and, and put on a lynda tutorial if you want. Uh, browse through the course and transcript and follow along. Search and answer and skip through a point in the video if you just want to focus on something. They've got all kinds of plans so you can figure out whether one is right for you as an individual or whether you want to go out and buy um, a, a group plan for your corporation. Uh, you can check that out. Your lynda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one plat rate. Uh, so check them out and go to lynda.com, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash MacPowerUsers to start your free 10-day trial And thanks to Linda for their support of the show.
0: All right. Um, You know, one of the things you had said in uh, earlier talking about geek parenting is allowing your children access to this because the other kids are going to be using it and they need to kind of be in be involved with it. Uh, I had a a similar experience with that when my daughter was um, my oldest daughter wanted to get on Facebook and I was so resistant and. All of her friends were getting on Facebook, and I, I kept saying, no, you're not going to be on Facebook. I just, it just seemed to me, I think at the time she was like maybe 13 or 14, and I, I finally realized, you know, she's going to get on it without me if I don't do it, help her out with this pretty soon. And so I helped her sign up for it, and interestingly, all of the privacy stuff was like turned off for someone signing up that they knew was 14 year old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, just kind of going through that with her, but it was a lesson for me that, you know, they're going to, they're going to get into this stuff. And as a geek dad, I, I want to protect them from a bunch of it. But instead we just had a real, you know, long conversation. I, I told her, I said, you know, you're going to put stuff on here that um, your grandchildren are going to see. <laughs> right. Honestly, you know, so, so don't want them to say, why did you dress like a slut? in you know, 20, or whatever, you know, and, um, and she kind of got that and she's actually very conservative about what she posts and I feel like, okay, mission accomplished there, but boy, there's so many places to fall into a trap as a parent.
2: Well, here's a funny, um, thought experiment. Um, when you first started using computers, would you look to your parents for advice on how best to use a computer?
0: Of course not. They didn't even, yeah. <laughs>
2: right. Because yeah. <laughs> everything that they knew, unless you're John Roderick's mom and you actually were a, a groundbreaking female uh, programmer on the Alaskan pipeline, it's probably pretty likely that your parents did not know as much about computers as you did. And and I mean, isn't that a funny question that I would ask that? Because obviously parents are stupid and kids know about computers and you would be the one who would be telling your parents about computers. Is it really that different today? that we know that much more about computers and the world than our kids do yes there are some things that we know but remember whatever we are reacting to is based on 30 year old information that has slightly evolved over time as we've developed it's not based on what you're learning as somebody who was born this the year the iphone came out in my kid's case she's growing up at a completely different time i just sent you guys a link in the dingus uh there's a podcast i like called New Tech City, uh, WNYC podcast. And they did a great series on kids and technology. And I'm just going to spoil it for you. Uh, they came up with these three talking to kids. Actually, at the end, they go and they talk to kids. Because, well, let's start, <coughs> first principles. Let's start with what we all know as smart grownups who are computer professionals. We know the world is a dangerous place. Everybody wants to do terrible things to our children and that they will make awful decisions because they're dumb and they're going to be naked on the internet before we know it. That's that's the thing that spins through your head is all these awful ways they're going to be cyberbullying, and they're going to be this and they're going to be that. We have to always remember that Every generation is different. Every generation has that new information. And I feel like it's incredibly arrogant just because I've been using a computer for a while. I feel like it's really arrogant for me to try and apply principles from another millennium to how kids are interacting today. I'm not trying to say to be be dumb and just let them do whatever. I mean, I wouldn't let her do whatever about anything at her age, but... I think it's really important to understand that those things are changing. So what they came up with after in this, at the end of this series, they talked to these kids. It was so, such a great episode. The episode is called Growing Up Digital, Three Truths for the Adults. And you should go and listen to it for yourself. It's a podcast, but here are, here are the three rules or the three rules for adults. Number one, don't be alarmist when they go and they talk to kids. Yes, every kid's got a horror story. Every grownup's got a horror story, but it's all blown way out of proportion from what's actually happening. Right. So, so that stuff happens, but the vast amount of communication between kids is exactly what you'd expect, which is a bunch of shuck and jive and just being dumbasses. Cause that's what kids do. But so don't go into it like thinking that everything's going to be the end of the world. Second, kids and adults are in a new partnership. So embrace it, right back to that point of thinking that I can apply information from 1987 without, um, you know, without amendment and have it still be smart today. Finally, number three, remember the kids are seeing a different world than you did at this age. And I don't know, I think once you, you don't have to agree with all of those, but once you start thinking about that, you can't help but realize how much it really is our own very old experience combined with our very real anxiety that can make us extremely unrealistic and very inflexible about realizing what a wonderful new world our kids get to be in. And that they can approach that advisably. That, that's just a general approach for me, is trying to realize I have a lot to learn, too. And it's sort of like you said, though, David, like there's, you know, I, the message that I send may not always be the message that I mean to send. And so when I yell and scream about something, she's not going to hear, I want her to be safe. She's going to hear, I don't trust her. And she's going to hear, this is a great way to push my buttons. <laughs> I I believe.
0: Yeah. I I get an education every time I drive in the car and listen to my my 13 and 18 year old talk in the back seat, and it, it always gravitates to you know Instagram and you know you know YouTube YouTubers you know people who have these made a rock career. Stars. These are kids, these people are yeah. stars. I don't know who any of them are. Yeah, and my kids are laughing hysterically. They're you know and now they share it with me because I'm you know I'm always curious. I want to see what's fun and and some of it works for me and some of it doesn't. You know, but um. You know, I just the other, last night I was walking down the hallway, I heard my oldest daughter crying. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? I mean, she never cries. And I go in there and she's she's laughing so hard. She's crying. <laughs> and and she's got um her on her computer. She's got her friend up on FaceTime and they're watching YouTube videos together and they're just having the time of their life. And, you know, that stuff didn't exist for us. So I, I definitely need to be aware that I am the dumb old man in a lot of this stuff. Even though I understand how computers work, they don't even use computers anymore. They use phones and iPads. So
2: that's a very that's an interesting way to put that. Um, I mean, I my my wife I think are are more often seeing eye to eye on this. For a long time, I I I feel like I I felt like the kind of the weirdo of saying like, hey, you know, look. I mean, we've got friends. I don't want to make too big a deal of this, but we've got friends whose kid goes to like a Waldorf school, where like according to the rules, that kid is not supposed to interact with screens at all. Like that's part of the curriculum is you have these simple toys. It's a great system and a very great you. you, I've met kids that came out of the Waldorf system and they're just brilliant. I guess I just feel like and I don't mean that as a slam. I just mean that like if we try to keep thinking in this paradigm of TV is rotting your brain because TV is the main screen we know. Right? I mean, I grew up feeling like, you know, there were limits on what I could do because TV's, my mom called it the idiot box. She wanted to protect me. She didn't want me to see inappropriate things. And she wanted me to go outside and play and stuff like that. So that element is still there. And yes, there is still lots of scary, dangerous stuff out there. But I guess I just, I feel like this is, and you know, I'm very interested in what, what people like Fraser Spears have to say about this, people who use iPads in education. where How do you get over this idea that if it's a book, it's good? And if it's a screen, it's potentially scary. And I think you really, when, when my kid, for example, my kid has recently gotten into paper craft, like finding things and printing it out and cutting it up and then whatever on the face of it, like that's a dumb kid thing, whatever. That's cool. But like, you know what? I am so encouraging her to do that because you know what that means? Just this is, forgive me for a second. It means she gets the computer. We show her how you log in. We show her how you go to safari. We show her how using the keyboard on the uh, MacBook Air, you have to type in words for what you want to find. Oh, that's kind of cool. If I type papercraft and then start typing Adventure Time, it fills that in for me. She's learning how to interact with a computer. She's learning how to spell she is learning how to make decisions. She's learning how to optimize her options. She's learning how to do stuff like go find the largest version of this image. She's seven, and she knows how to do this now. I'm not saying she's a computer expert, but she knows. She knows how to reload the printer. When it ran out of yellow ink last month, she changed it on her own. She knows how to do those things now because, to me, that is a similar skill. Maybe not the printer part so much, but <laughs> it's important for paper craft. But then, and then she goes and she cuts stuff up. But and she know, made, she's,
1: she's figuring something out. She's got a problem. She can't print. How do I fix that? I go figure Absolutely. it out.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, there's so many people that have talked about what, but and everybody wants to roll their eyes at this, at how Minecraft uh, is encouraging reading. M- maybe not on the same level as Harry Potter, but here's the thing. If you want to find something out, you will learn to read about it. You will learn to find it. You will learn to get it. But she's even learning. She's finally figuring out stuff. Like she, like a lot of people when they first use Google back in the day, she wants to type a very, very long thing in. And she's getting now that the shorter the thing you type in, the better your options are. I guess, so people are going to hear this and they're either going to get that or they're not. But if you get it, you're going to see that. Think about all the skills that she's applying. It's decision making. It's interaction. It's optimization. It's spelling and reading. It's all that stuff. Now, do I need to limit the amount of time she does that? Maybe because she still needs to do her her worksheet. <laughs> from school but uh, i just feel like the earlier somebody gets comfortable with that um the more able they're going to be able to participate uh in in a a larger conversation and and i just think it would be about the worst thing in the world if i came into that saying well yeah but somebody might be wanting to throw you in a white van so get off the internet i I just think that is so short-sighted given what the possibility could mean to a kid today
0: The way we did it with our kids was we had a we had a family iMac and it was in a public room of the house and they didn't have their own computers. And this is already dated in a lot of ways because the iPad didn't exist then. And we were va- we were able to let them kind of explore. And you, you can see it and,
2: all on the big screen.
0: <laughs> exactly. And so everything was just great. And now, uh, you know, that advice is no good anymore because your kids are most likely going to have an iOS device they can take into their room. So I, I think it's a challenge. I mean, I, I'm with you 100%. I think they need to understand these technologies. And I think that It helps them in a lot of ways, but it can also be unhealthy. You're you're um, so
2: right. And you know what? I apologize because that really sounded parts of that sounded like I don't think bad stuff is out there and I don't think you need limitations. I'm just saying that that. You know, she is at an age where, for example, she does not know how to use a mouse, which bothers my wife a little bit because she's like, they're going to use computers at school and she doesn't know how to use a mouse. I'm like, she'll figure it out. She knows how to use a touchpad. But I I know this has to evolve and develop. What what I'm trying to say at a deeper level is that I can't let my own fears, hangups and half-baked intelligence from 30 years ago overly govern what my kid gets to see in the world. I definitely want to keep her safe and I want to be there to like walk through how these things can be perilous. You know, there are cars driving by at 60 miles an hour every time we cross the road. But that doesn't mean we learn how to safely cross. the. Don't learn how to safely cross the road. You've got to learn how to walk in a city. And that means getting near enough to a certain danger that you learn why it's dangerous and learn how to avoid it and learn what to do if something bad did happen. Like that's so much of a bigger process than imagine you can cover your kids eyes and ears and hope that they'll never see a bad thing. The, what you just heard, yeah. you, what you just heard on the movie, that is an inside word. That is not a word that we use at school because that's not the kind of people we are. Can I have her never hear the F word again? No, but I can teach her to have it less, have less impact. Anyway, that's all I'm
0: saying. Yeah, agreed. Now, yeah, you know, like one of the things we do, and we've talked about this on the show, yeah. is we set up um, systems. Like if you're a parent, I, I'm a big fan of using some of these blocking services to make sure that when they are on the Internet, they don't bump into something that, that you really don't want them to see. Um, have you done any of that stuff?
2: You know, we haven't yet. I mean, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm, my wife is very concerned about this and I'm definitely keeping an eye on it because she is now smart enough, thank God, to to go and be able to do a Google search. And there are times when I've just had to say, like, you know, sometimes you get really, we, we've got safe browsing on. Um, and sometimes when you get really far into results and it becomes less and less uh, relevant, it gets weird. And so sometimes I'll say, no, sorry, um, we got to go back. That's, that's not for you. Um, the only thing that I run right now <laughs> this is so funny you guys i uh really we wanted to watch the world series and so i bought major league baseball mlb long story short mlb is is monster. The, the app itself is great but the rules about blackouts are crazy so i, yeah. I started i started using this app called ad <laughs> free time yeah. um so for two dollars um two dollars a month i get two ip addresses to drop into the dns uh, I can spoof where I'm from for Netflix, which I wouldn't want to do, but I can also make it think that I'm somewhere else than I am. And it also removes ads uh, pretty grossly from stuff. So like, you know how on iOS, iOS can be virtually unusable because of the way they do ads now. That's the only thing we've got on. I might eventually go back to looking at OpenDNS because it's good for that. We, we haven't gotten to that part yet. And, and we do, as with TV, I have to say, we're in the room when she's doing it most of the time. Um, like no, this is more. A, than, yeah. Go, go ahead.
1: ahead. No. no, I just I saw. Real, I don't have kids, so I I feel like I kind of need to keep my mouth shut during this portion because I you know don't have any advice to add. But I I saw a really good idea. We were we were visiting some family member's house, and and they have you know high schoolers, and they have always had a rule. You know they grew up in a world with iOS devices. I I did not didn't have one in, until I was a professional. But um, they had this really interesting built-in charging station that they put in when they, they renovated their house. And it was kind of in, in the laundry room, they had a shelf where everybody's iOS device goes. Um, and they have like, it was really unique. They had like eight USB charging ports and a shelf uh, lined up in the laundry room. And I said, oh, that's a, that's a really neat idea. And they said, yep, that's our rule is that uh, iPads and iPhones uh, don't go back in the bedrooms. At night, that's what everybody does is they, oh. they line up their devices in the laundry room to charge. And they say that's how we know we've got everybody in the house. We count, <laughs> you know, <laughs> iOS devices.
0: Yeah, I haven't gone that far. I, I, I trust them to use the stuff in their room. I don't mind. Um, with my younger daughter, there was a, a phase where we'd find her um, watching the iPad at like 1030 when she's supposed to go to bed at 930. And so she lost it, you know, it, it <laughs> she lost the iPad for three months and. And I don't know if that was an overreaction or not, but you know, they need to go to bed and, and now she doesn't do that anymore. So I don't know. It, it's really tough. I don't want to give out parenting advice on the show because whatever I do is wrong,
2: but yeah. the, uh, yeah.
0: But you just try, I, I think the, the message I would send, I think that's what Merlin is saying too, is don't be afraid of this stuff, but also be an adult about it and, you know, try and make sure that, that you you have the healthy parts and 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 avoid the unhealthy parts as much as you can.
2: Yeah, and I you know in fairness, I I struggle with um, there's some kinds of things where I you you know you just got to be a grown up and say things that don't feel good to say. Mom, mommy, and I are grown ups, and we get to watch TV after you go to bed because that's something grown ups get get to do. I mean, the consistency again becomes very important. But the the other part of this, and I, I am. I am not persuaded that I am handling this flawlessly, but I think it's a very interesting idea is to think about in particular, the use of games. So for example, like she's really into playing with garage where she'll like, she's learning how to, um, I mean, not, she's not great at it yet, but she's really having fun just playing the drums or just playing the guitar and bending the strings and doing all this crazy stuff. Um, And it's all I can do not to jump in and show her how to do it properly. But I remember that just plinking around on a keyboard was a piano was the beginning of me wanting to do music. So I try to stay out of the way. When she wants to do more, I'll show her how to do more or she'll learn how to do more. But again, she can figure a lot of that out. When it comes to games, games are tougher because they are like television, entertainment television. They're so absorbing um, that we frequently get an effect where I think this is a common thing where like... You're sadder after you play the video game than you were before you started. So that's not a great pattern. So what I try, what I try to do there, and like I said, when I wrote to you guys earlier, I try, I'm trying to figure out how to use it as an opportunity to learn time management and a little bit of self-control. Does that does that make sense? So yeah. But basically, so what I will do is so we'll come home from school, we'll do homework, we'll hang out, have a snack, and she wants to play this Adventure Time game on the iPad. And so I'll come up with whatever the amount of time is, right? Let's say it's going to be 30 minutes. And so the standard thing, and this is how it goes every single time. I say, okay, you got 30 minutes and I'll give you a five minute warning. Five minute warning is very important in our house. Five minute warning when, when it's time. So I set a timer for 25 minutes. When the timer goes off, I go, okay, five minute warning. And five minute warning means that within the next five minutes of your own volition, you have to stop playing, press the home button, close the cover, hand it to me and say, thank you. That's five minute warning. And I try not to ride it too hard because I want her to learn what five minutes feels like. Cause I never did. I was not great with time management. I want her to get to where, and so sometimes it'll get to one minute. I'll go, Hey, second, third reminder, you got, you got less than a minute left. And so, and if she doesn't do that, then we have to limit the amount of time she gets to do it the next time. It's not, I don't mean it to be feel like punishment, but to me, that's a chance for her. And if she finds a way to game me on that, good for her. <laughs> but I because I'm proud of her when she figures out how to outsmart me. That's that's a good sign. But uh, in that instance, it's something where I want her to have fun and not have to worry about or thinking about it until it's time to think about it and then go. Now I know what five minutes feels like and I know I've learned I've trained daddy to where I get to do this again if I do this right. So I don't, it's still an experiment, but it feels like a good experiment because she gets to have some time to do exactly what she wants, but then also understands that like when it's done, it's done.
1: Merlin, I I feel like we've covered a a lot of ground this time. Um, Yeah. A lot of, a lot of different ground than we have before. So uh, this was fun. You know, we should do this again. Maybe, maybe like this time next year.
2: That works for me. I'll go ahead and pencil it in. Yeah. All right.
1: So uh, thank you so much. I, I know we're coming up around the two hour mark and you know, people start screaming about that time. So we, we probably better wrap this up, but we'll have links to everything that we've talked about in this episode. And keep in mind that you can find all of our show notes, including the show notes for this episode and the show notes for all of our past episodes um, over on our new home at Relay RelayFM uh, slash MPU. And the show notes for this particular episode are at Relay.FM slash MPU slash uh, 257. We do want to thank our sponsors for this episode, automatic smile Omni and Linda
0: uh, also Merlin uh everybody I would encourage you to go listen to back to work that's the gift that just keeps on giving I love my weekly dose of Merlin and Dan that shows you know you guys have really done a great job with that show over the years. thank you
2: man I, I appreciate it and let me just take the opportunity to say muzeltov on your on your change in your new home I, ho- I hope it goes great for you guys I'm very glad you're around and doing what you do you uh, help a lot of people thank you for
0: that yeah. thank you as do you and Dan. I mean, it's, the funny thing about Back to Work is um, you guys do... It's really funny. I mean, because you guys always are... just Doing funny stuff on there but then i always find that somewhere in the episode you say something that is like knocks me back a little bit too that really helps me it's just it's just such a great mix i don't know how you guys got there i think you probably just kind of stumbled into it like us but the um either way it's just an amazing show and everybody should go listen to that where else should we send people merlin
2: oh that's good i also do roderick on the line with john roderick at roderick on the line.com of course Super yeah trained. and i'm uh, <laughs> i'm out and about you can find me out and around but uh that, that's the two big places
0: I I love that. I was just listening to an old episode of Roderick on the line the other day, and you guys were talking about sending letters, and Roderick was calling it artisanal email. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard it described that way, but that's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. It's small batch,
2: (laughs) built to purpose, artisanal.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness! Well, on that note, uh, be sure if if you want more nuggets like that, make sure you follow Merlin on Twitter. It's it's hot dogs, ladies. Sure, plural. Yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> I don't usually promote it, but yeah, you can uh, see uh, me okay. there. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, the show is at Mac Power Users. I'm Katie Floyd. David's David's Sp- uh, Max Sparky. Sorry, yeah, David's Max Sparky. Sparky. Uh, and we will see you all next time. Thanks again, Merlin.